I, I really wanted to try to do something different today uh, as it related to uh, today being Sunday, you know, today where we celebrate, you know, I, I hate that we do things sometimes or we get used to doing something one day a week, but we do, unfortunately, and this is probably one of the most famous days that we celebrate Christ or we celebrate church we celebrate fellowship, we celebrate coming together, we celebrate love, we celebrate understanding, we celebrate uh, how uh, Jesus would want the world to be. And so we, we go to our various churches and most that are segregated and we, and we talk about Jesus and we talk about love and we talk about understanding and we talk about all of these things. Uh, but unfortunately, if we're honest, uh, when we get come out of church and we enter back into the real world, there's a whole lot going on. <laughs> Amen. There's a whole lot that's happening in our world today. And uh, and I, I got to be honest with you, I, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to try to cover a lot of stuff here and in a, in a way that I hope it makes sense. But I, I think I have to. I think I got an a, a attempt to to see if, if I could maybe get you to see it from my perspective and maybe, you know, you let me see it from your perspective. I think that one thing that is apparent that we got a lot going on in our world coming out of, getting ready to come out of 2021. We're at the end of 2021 and we just had a case, Rittenhouse uh, was uh, acquitted of all charges. Uh, if you go go back and read the case, you'll understand why. We have Aubrey, a case going on now with a young African-American male who has, was killed in, uh, by three white men uh, who were a part of the killing. Uh, this is going on right now. I think the case will probably be favorable uh, for the prosecution. It seems like the evidence is kind of overwhelming. Uh, if, it's, if it doesn't happen that way, then, hey, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise. I don't think that anything should really surprise any of us anymore. We we live in this kind of world where there is a divide, and uh, and it's it's apparent that it's not going anywhere, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I, but I wanted to kind of start out by talking about uh, social media and media in general. You know, when I was growing up. Uh, we had seven, uh, uh, seven, four, and, and, and 13. And then, of course, you know, there were added stations. 21 showed up, and then after a while, other stations showed up. And then come cable television, and then, and now we got, you know, seven, 800 channels that we can choose from. And then here comes Facebook and other stuff, and an uh, easier way for social media to, to come and, and do what it did and, and, and I think that, you know, media, social media, media, media in general can be a blessing and it can be a curse. Now, for I believe that for most of us, uh, you use social media for whatever ill you like to use it for. I'm probably, I'm a news kind of guy, and so I probably watch social media for the news effect. I want to see what's going on. And one of the things I start to notice, and, and I, we live in a pretty big world, and uh, and I try to be as even keeled as I can about what I see, and not try to just be one way. I, I really try to make it my, you know, my mission is not to just be overwhelmed and decide based on what I see without really coming to a common sense perspective that the world is a lot bigger. 
happen. That's what I tell myself. So in the last two years, I probably have never seen as much police interaction in a negative way with African-Americans than I've seen in my life on social media. Uh, I've seen interactions where police officers arrested uh, African-American female that probably didn't have to go the way it went. I've watched a police officer in a high school that slammed a girl to the to the ground that really probably didn't have to escalate to that, that situation. Uh, I've watched police officers shoot a man running running away from them in the back. I've watched police officers shoot a man who they said didn't have his hands up, but he had his hands up. I watched police officers shoot people who were they were told they told them to get their information, uh, their license and registration, and then thought said, oh, they're going for a gun and, and shot and killed. Uh, I've seen this stuff happen over and over again, and I've done everything in my power to make sure that I said, wait a minute, this is only a piece of the story. Uh, the majority of police officers are good, decent people. And so I also had to make sure I held on to that, that most of the police officers that I've met over my lifetime have been good and decent. I've only met a couple of them that I said, wow, they might not be in the right profession, you know, because they have a bully mentality. Or maybe back in the day when they were in school, they were bullied by black by black guys or, or bullied by blacks, and now their retaliation is I'm going to become a cop. And I'm going to get back at you in a certain way. And so I don't know, but I, I try to make sure that I keep this this evil keel in my brain about trying to make sure that I look at life from a larger perspective. You know, that's one angle. And then I looked at the job angle. You know, I'm old enough now to know how life kind of is. You know, I'm I'm kind of a person that observes things and looks at things and notices things, and and I've been kind of in the in the working world for a long time. I've I've had my own business for a while, and I think one of the things that you learn or you come to terms with is that it's kind of hard to not understand that it's hard to be black still in America and strive to be successful. Now, let me be very clear. You can do it, but it's still hard. Because, see, one of the things that you have to come to terms with when you look at the whole totality of of the world is that a lot of white people still have most of the power. Most of the white people that have most of the power are CEOs. They're presidents of companies. Uh, they they own stocks in businesses. They they have power and they have influence. Uh, most of them are elected officials, and this is historic. You know, uh, most of them have been a part of organizations that didn't really feel too good about working with people of color. Some of them were part of the Klan. Some of them were part of other white nationalist societies in power. So when you are dealing with that kind of structure in the business world, it's hard for you to be looked upon as someone that can benefit their business. So that's why in the in in the manufacturing industry and most of your industries in general, you see very few of us 
that are working at the top level of management, not because most of us are not qualified. I'm sorry to say this, but it's the truth. It's because most of us are black. And if you've never had a person of color at the table because you've convinced yourself that we're inferior, you convince yourself that I don't care what they say, they're still dumb and they're still stupid. See, there's there's been a stigma that, that's been put on us for years. And even with all the folk who we see who are intelligent, who are smart, I'm not just talking about actors. I'm talking about people who became CEOs. I'm talking about people who became presidents. I'm talking about people who became successful business people. With all of that going on, we still have had to fight. Isn't it ironic that we're still saying some folk are the first? Is that not ironic? You know, they were saying the other day that uh, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, first black, African, first black sister to be, be lieutenant governor, uh, you know, we still are saying even in 2021 that there's a first and we've been on this planet for a long time. And so from a business perspective, we're still fighting for equal playing field, to just be looked upon for our ability and our character and what we bring to the table and look past our color. And unfortunately, if the power structure, who's in their 50s and 60s and 70s and grew up in an arena where they were taught and told that you're superior and you don't want to mess up this family, this business family, by injecting someone with color into it, then they have fought. And then if you're a foreigner and you come to this country, you know, I, I can remember when I was young and, uh, and my brother worked for 7-Eleven and I decided to work for 7-Eleven for the summer. I can I never forget there was an Indian brother who worked at 7-Eleven, and we got to talking one day, and we were talking about you know uh, society, and we were talking about cultural differences, and he said when when I came here and went through the immigration office, we were told immediately not to mess with black people, stay away from blacks because they'll bring you down, they don't care about nothing, they don't want to work, they're lazy. And so he said, coming out of the immigration office, I had this perception about black people already. Hadn't even met you, but from what I was told coming out of that office. And I thought about that for a minute. How many folk of different nationalities that came into the immigration office were told to stay away from us? Wow. I mean, you're told that when you come here. Stay away from them lazy, shiftless, mean, nasty black people. And that's not a story that's made up. I've heard it told several times by other people. So that's the business piece of it. And a little bit now of the societal, the society piece of it. We live where we are more and more dividing our land, dividing ourselves, where we want to live in all-white neighborhoods. We don't want folk who are poor, folk who are in bad situations. I was, I was seeing something on the news the other day, 
that the people were agreeable. I forgot what state it was. They were agreeable about turning a hotel into a homeless facility. What they didn't agree with was having them live that close to their neighborhood. Hey, y'all find a hotel out in the boonies somewhere, out away from society, and, and I'll put up money to. I'll help to. I don't want these folks. I don't want. I don't want the potential for crime or anything to be close to my neighborhood. And and I don't know about you, but I've seen over my lifetime where you know rich folk kill each other too. People who live in upscale neighborhoods, they kill each other too. Uh, folks that live in upscale uh, upscale neighborhoods, they rape and murder uh, too. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's excluded from being bad, whether what kind of neighborhood you live in. I mean, I, I, I've never been able to equate the two together. Uh, you know, so when folks say, "Oh, you know, it was, we, you know, we live in this, this this neighborhood and never could have thought that this could have happened here," why? They're humans. Uh, they they're they're white killers, black killers, white robbers, black robbers. You know, they're 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 everywhere. They're everywhere. So 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 that's not anything new. That that's not anything that should be surprising. So in our social order of world, we see this divide now where we don't even want to live close to each other, you know. And, and again, now, I want to be clear here, but there's another group of white folks, majority of white people, who are good, decent, home. I mean, they're great folks. I, I, I've been able, I'm, I'm old, I'll be 59 next month. And for the better part of my life, the majority of white folk that I've interacted with have been good, decent folks. They've been, matter of fact, one of them was like my second father, you know. And so I, I, I know from, from experience that the majority of white folks that I've interacted with have been good and decent. Now, the problem with some of that is that don't have those good and decent folk talk to their own folk about their, their, their way of living, if you're in a group with some folk, if I'm in a group with some brothers and and a sister walks by and the one of the brothers say, now she's stinking and she's nasty looking, get the, I wouldn't want to have nothing to do with her. Now, it becomes my responsibility to say, hey, brother, don't, don't put her down. Don't say anything negative about her. If I'm in that same group and a white guy walks by and those brothers say, let's beat that person down, it becomes my responsibility to say, no, nah, why are we going to do that? Why, why are we going to start something like that? That's, that's enough. What, what, what has he done to us? I, what I'm trying to say is that how many of us speak out when we hear or see wrong? If you don't, then you have always been a part of the problem, not part of the solution. See, if you're silent, change don't come. But if you're able to make a statement, whether you do it one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two or one-on-three, one-on-four, if you're able to voice your opinion, then you can make an impact, a positive impact on the world. But there's a but, and I, I want to get to this because it's important that I do. It would appear to me that we're also, and I'm talking about African Americans now, that we're kind of, we, we've kind of have gotten to this dynamic where everybody else is to blame for what goes on 
in our community. You know, we're able to kind of lay blame. You know, you just had uh, one of the lawyers for the Arby case to say, hey, it was too many black pastors, right? Uh, we got all these black pastors coming. And he used an example of what if you had uh, uh, all these men in white suits that look like Colonel Sanders. I, I thought that was a kind of a weird analogy, but that, that's what he wanted to do. Now, and then the next day you had over 100 pastors that showed up. Uh, now, what what got me when I saw that and what made me think about this podcast was how is it that when it's a public arena where it's going to be something that everybody knows that you, you, you kind of already know what's going to happen. You ever watch a movie and you're sitting there and you watch it long enough and you kind of understand 15 minutes or 20 minutes before it's over what's going to happen? We, we kind of knew, right? Didn't you kind of know that when that man made that statement that there was going to be 100 black pastors that are going to show up? Didn't you already know that? I did. I knew it was coming. But my problem with this is what kind of impact does that make on the folk that are living in low-income homes, folk who are in schools that are not not really parents that are showing up for PTA meetings or really involved with their, 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 their kids' education, uh, young black males who are, are robbing and killing. Uh, see, there are a lot of killings that go on in our community that you don't have a rally of pastors or anybody that show up for. There's no rally. I mean, because if it was, there would be so many rallies that would go on that, wow, we would have a lot of rallies. We would have a lot of pastoral involvement that would take place. But that doesn't happen. But on the flip side, we have a lot of killings in our neighborhood. You know, we have a lot of young girls getting raped in our neighborhood. We have we have a lot of young people who are having educational issues in our neighborhood. We have a lot of people who are, who are poor in our neighborhood. And we have all these folk in our neighborhood that really need somebody to be there for them. But we don't really show up. But when something happens, we're ready to blame everybody else for everything else that's happening, but we lay no blame on us. And my problem with that is, is that as long as you are always looking for somebody to blame for your circumstance or situation, it's like a boomerang. You know, you ever got a boomerang, you know how the boomerang works, you throw it out there as hard as you can, as far as you can, and watch that thing spin and spin and spin, and eventually it'll come right back to you. When you blame somebody else for your own misgivings, and you keep blaming this person and that person and this person and that person, eventually it's something I heard a long time ago. When you point your finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing right back at you that you got to realize that you've got to ask yourself this question. Okay, if police officers are out here killing our young boys, then how do we stop our young boys from being in situations where they can potentially be killed? Yeah, well, you know, it, yeah, 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 good question. If our young girls are getting slammed at school, 
by police officers. What can we do to avoid that from happening again? See, there's there's never any solution that's created after the problem or before or yeah after the problem or after the situation has happened. We just kind of flip into a blame game, a get upset. It's 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 all emotional. It's all emo- with no remedy to fix it next time. You don't hear. You didn't never heard anything after the young girl who was slammed in the school. You never heard anything that was. This is what we're doing now to address this issue. All you were looking for was that police officer be fired, and on to the next story. What are we doing when we see that on particular jobs that the makeup of most of your employees are of non-color? What are we doing? We we are sending more qualified applicants. What are we What are we doing? We we just complain about it. We get emotional for a few minutes, and we move on. In society, when we hear that somebody is talking down somebody or somebody's doing something that somebody shouldn't do, we usually just look away and keep moving. But what are we doing, black people? What are we doing about our own destruction in our own neighborhoods? Let me tell you what we're not doing. What we're not doing is having open-ended, open-ended conversations with every generation that lives in our community. There has been a 20 plus year disconnect with young people, middle aged people, and seniors. There's no conversation going on. When I when I was growing up, I had uncles that I would go and see. I would love to sit down and have conversations with them. I, I just I, I just love to listen to their stories. And, and, I, and I wanted to be around them to let them know that they were important to me. I would love to go visit my aunts and listen to their stories. I would love to sit down with my grandfather and my grandmother and listen to their stories. It, it, it played, a, played a role into my development of who I am and, and whose I am. There's a disconnect. Well, we don't talk to each other. Part of it is fear now. See, when you allow folk to do what they want to do for so long, and then you try to grab them and pull them back in, it's hard. It's hard. That's why you got to start working with them when they're young and create that relationship early and continue that relationship onward even after they're grown. And it's hard to destroy somebody that you've gotten to know that all they ever showed you was kindness and love. And I and I hate to use this analogy, but it just it just makes sense to me when I see how uh, a person that took care of a, a lion when it was a cub and, and and was there for the lion and, and the lion remembered that person, and then 20 years later they go out into the jungle and that lion charges them and you think they're in attack mode, and they jump up, and they just want to love all over that person because of what that person did for them 20 years ago. And if an animal can love, we can't. I'm talking about our community now. If we start loving now and keep loving at least for 20 years, 10, 20 years, you don't think that person will come back and show you love? You think that person going to come and break into your house? 
you think that person's going to come and try to do harm to you? But if you don't show nothing, why should they care? That we created, we created this environment. You know, we, we've created this environment. The only time that folks show compassion, if you go to your, you got to go to their church. Because the church is not going to come out to you. Right? We don't do that. Before pandemic and after pandemic, we don't do that. So, so what are we going to do to fix our own neighborhood? What are, we, what are you prepared to do to get our world right, to get our community right? When are we going to sit down? Let's look past the sensationalizing of TV and media and all of that. And, and, and what is it like to be just in a room with no media, nobody, and trying to say, okay, look, y'all, how are we going to solve our problems? What, what, are, we, what are we prepared to do? to make our neighborhoods better. Matter of fact, what are we prepared to do as black men to create wealth in our own communities? What are we going to do in our communities to create a longer stream of positive self-esteem? How do I become a better example of a man to another young man and show him how I work hard and what I do? The only way it can start, it has to start with a communication. It has to start with a conversation. You might have to take them around and show them and, and say, hey, you want to come come and see what I do at work? I, I can't let you, you know, the laws have changed, rules have changed. You used to be able to take some folk to your job, but you can't do that anymore. But I can take you up on my day off and show you what I do. We have to, we have to present the package. See, a lot of us, it's almost Christmas time. What do we do around Christmas time? We start giving out gifts. Well, why don't you give this, the gift of you can be better this Christmas to some young African-American males? Sisters, give a gift of, the, of give, doing better that, that a young female can do better. Give them the gift of knowledge. Give them the gift of understanding. Show them that they can be better than they are. And then continue to do it for the whole year. Make a commitment to be there for them for the whole rest of the year. And, and then bring other sisters, bring other men into the fold to help make your community, help make your world, help make your state, help make your country better. I just had this belief that, you know, uh, I think it was Dick Gregory that said it. He said, do you notice that you're not going to ever see a black man in a suburban neighborhood arrest a young white boy or and and the question was why because they respect that community you can't have respect for something that the people that live in the place don't even respect We've allowed a lot of negative stuff to come into our community. We've allowed a lot of negative stuff to enter into our world. We've even allowed a lot of negative stuff to enter into our homes. Some of us have even given up our homes. Isn't it ironic that there are parents out there who have kids who are five and six and seven years old that they tell them, they tell their mom and daddy what to do. 
they don't even tell them what to do. So it's hard for me to keep blaming everybody else when there's so much destruction in our own backyard, in our front yard, on a, on the sides of our house. We got enough going on where we have to deal with our community, and we got to fix it. It's going to take time. It could take 10, 20 years. But are you willing to make the sacrifice? Are you willing to try? Or are you just going to keep on living as though you don't see it? And guess what? That boomerang is going to hit your house one day. You're going to be wondering, why did they come here? I ain't never done nothing to nobody. I ain't never said nothing wrong to nobody. Well, it wasn't that. It's that you never try to get involved to help somebody. Trouble don't come, trouble don't pass your dough because you don't say nothing. Trouble don't pass your dough because you don't talk about nobody. Trouble is waiting on trouble to make the time right to come to you. All of us going to experience hardships. It's what you do after that. All of us going to experience some bad things happening. It's what you do after that. My hope and my prayer is that we'll stop rallying for everything else and have some rallies in our own backyard. We'll, we'll and let me say this: we'll start out something. You, you know, folks say it's an old term that says it's not how you start out, it's how you end up. We're good for starting out something, but we're even better of stopping it with no success or failure. We just give up. Or we make excuses why we can't keep going. I'll say it again. And there's people behind us, kids and grandkids, who we're going to allow to come right into this same mess. And I hope that they can look back at us and say, why didn't y'all try to make it better for us? You didn't care? You didn't care? Why didn't you try to make it better for us? God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. Oh, yeah. Peace.